Okay, it's starting to record, and I have a, a relatively awkward intro I'm going to try and pull off for you. Okay. So here I we like, go. I like, I'm a fan of awkward. Yeah, well, good. Uh, I can usually provide that. Me too. <laughs> uh, all right. Welcome to the All Creation Podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Jared Michaels, who is a good friend of mine. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. I'm Chris Searles, and I am the executive editor of All Creation. And we're talking about the idea of interconnectivity in this episode and in this series of episodes. Um, I wanted to say about Jared that um, I know him first as a friend, really. And so I, don't, I haven't really studied his CV, as it were. And I would say, um, of my knowledge of his professional life, that he's a, a pioneer in integration, uh, which is so close to interconnectedness and interconnectivity. And uh, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to him about this subject. So in a nutshell, this is one way of summarizing sort of Jared's presence on the earth as I know it right now is that he has um, a foot in sort of all of the worlds you could have a foot in, in a sense, the real world, the spiritual world, the inner world, the personal world and the outer world. And what I mean is uh, in the real world uh, sense that he's a family man, he's married and has a boy and a girl. In the spiritual sense, he is a spiritual teacher, uh, a Buddhist priest. And um, in the sense of the inner world, he is a therapist who helps people deal with their relational challenges and transitions and sort of how we perceive the self uh, integrating these these areas in the um, personal world, I would say, Jared and, and outer worlds. Jared is also an activist, and so in his outer actions, one of the things I know about that he's done is protect an enormous amount of tropical forest by working with my nonprofit Biointegrity and another nonprofit called Rainforest Trust, and he has now protected enough tropical forest to offset around three thousand. Uh, American individual carbon footprints for life, helped to save thousands of species, uh, participated in projects that have helped dozens of indigenous communities and refugee communities get more support to retain land rights and uh, justice rights to remain on their lands and support to develop regenerative and community-based businesses. And so Jared is really trying to work across many aspects of what it means to be a contributor, I think, to a positive future and um, my background, I was, we, Jared, we talked about this recently. I was raised in a Christian home, a very religious home. Uh, Jared was raised in a less, far less religious Jewish home. Um, but I would go so far as to say that sort of the example that Jared sets is, the, is very much what I was taught um, in the, the values that I was given as a kid growing up as the, a, the son of a minister that he is really exploring all of the varying uh, terrains of his identity and then how to implement that in the most meaningful ways in his life and in his life as a member of the larger world. So um, talking about interconnectivity with Jared Michaels. Jared, welcome to the All Creation Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I am uh, really touched by the introduction. Can I say one thing about how it impacted me please with you i often have this sense that i am doing what i'm here to do 
Like I'm, I'm accomplishing what I'm here to do. So I love, I love being reminded of that. That's an amazing compliment. Thank you. Thank you too. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to talk about our podcast idea from that, that point, because I feel the same way. And maybe that's a, to some degree, a kind of a good bridge is that, that we're starting a podcast called The Bridge. Um, and one of the underlying motivations of this is that we're both very interested in empowerment and uh, achieving an optimal future and how the sort of personal work and, and outer work, which Jared identified in, in the way we were talking about this podcast, how that factors in to achieving this optimal future. Um, and then I also will say one, one last sort of framing thing that when we talked about doing this a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to Jared, even though he's a passionate conservationist and environmentalist and climate activist, et cetera, um, he's also, as mentioned, a, an expert in Buddhism and, um, and psychological health. And so hoping to kind of explore those aspects of interconnectivity with, with this podcast. And um, so the first question I wanted to ask you, Jared, is what would the future look like to, in, in your mind if we really got it right, if we really addressed the things that are your biggest concerns in the best way and achieved a, an optimal outcome? I often think about, so I, just a little background about me, I um, trained, I think you know this, Chris, but people who are listening, I'm sure don't. Uh, I trained at uh, this, I trained at all three temples of the San Francisco Zen Center. One of them is called Tassajara, and it's in the middle of the mountains, and it's totally monastic. It's like a, it's like a real monastery <clears throat> and while I was there I was sitting you know we just do tons of meditation while we're there and I was sitting this one time and I got I woke up to the to something I'm going to try to relay I woke up to the to the truth that I am not who I think I am I woke up to the truth that, that we are all one. There's like a million ways to talk about this. We're all one, uh, that we are God, that we are um, non-dual, that we are interconnected, that we are in union with everyone and everything. And I, and I like to go down the rabbit hole a little bit with this last phrasing. Sure. Even the words, everyone and everything come from dualistic language. And I like to, I like to play with it. And, and, and I, I would like to encourage anyone listening to imagine this hyphenated. <clears throat> um, I dash everyone dash and dash everything just one it's it, it, we're truly in in union and yeah and interconnected is one way to describe this truth so right after this meditation i woke up i mean i got up and i i looked at somebody sitting you know, someone else in the meditation hall who was sitting, who was getting up and it looked like they were in some physical or emotional pain. And I felt so much empathy for them. 
but it mm. wasn't like me feeling sorry for them it was kind of like like it was it's hard to describe but it was it's sort of like we are all like everything the whole universe is like one big person and i am the left hand and this other person is the right hand and so it, it was like like I just cared about them I wanted them well it wasn't like it was I was being put upon or I was being especially good it was like I was I am them and so I so so I got it then that like love is truly the only thing that's sane it's truly the only thing that's sane and so what I imagine when you said what does the world look like mm. like if we get it right I yeah. imagine us all awake to who we really are and loving, loving each other. Uh, yeah, that, um, that statement, love is the only thing that's sane, is kind of uh, life-changing if you dwell on that one for a minute. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about, I kind of want to do two things real quick. There's a, you know, a direct tie to this basic Christian value, uh, love neighbor as self, in what you're saying, um, mm -hmm. that, that could be explored. I more so just want to sort of point out that uh, my interpretation of that value, which was my father's primary value, and of uh, the Sermon on the Mount in sort of a, you know, bird's eye view is this idea that, you know, you go to the least of these, you, you, you have some strength of love and, and compulsion or compunction to help then you do that instead of worrying about whether or not you're as good as the people that you uh, are influence you in some way, you worry the message on the Sermon on the Mount is, you know, get to work on helping those who need help. And well, and if, and if you, and if, and if you're worrying about kind of how you stack up against the people who influence you, then you are not awake to this, to what we're talking about. You're, you're believing that you are separate still separate from this interconnected interconnected web yeah there's um there's this uh theologian I, i'm not a you know theological person but um i've been reading the other person i'm gonna get to talk with today paul bogard's book about soil and mm -hmm. he kind of relates back and forth a little bit to the the christian influence over the way we think of the ground and soil and so forth and paul tillich this theologian talks about how sin became such a popular word in the 20th century that it had no meaning anymore. And um, sin kind of had this connotation of being naughty. And, and the real idea of sin, especially from the theologian's perspective, is this idea of separation from God, separation from the divine or the good or the, um, this thing that's giving, I think, life. Um, to me, all that fits in together. Totally. Yeah. It really, it resonates it, it. And I, I'm just reflecting on how it feels when I'm sinning in this way. It, they're like, like, this is when it, it, it misses the mark. Like when I'm in this, when I'm, when I'm, uh, uh, uh you know, um, asleep to who I really am or, 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 
mesmerized by a by a the story of who I am. Can I ask you about that? That was the other thing I wanted to dig into just a little bit. Is you're saying you know I got it. So that's a lot of things. I'm sure that's like a a visceral connection even to a spirituality. Um, but is part of what you're saying then that you got that you're a member of this great existence um, as opposed to an individual inside of a, you know, your own life, your own life problems, whatever the, the distinction would be. And, and then also is part of that, like you're saying about feeling more compassionate towards this person once you've felt your kinship to them. Um, is that also, you know, especially from the therapist's point of view, is that also that you, you have this strength, you know, you have certain strengths. And so when you, when you became a member of the larger community, then you had an instant desire to put your good strength to use to help the community. Like you say, the right hand and the left hand. And so you're, you know, how do those things hit you? Mm. Well, I just, I mean, I ordinarily wouldn't get this involved with the word member, but because we're talking about this, you know, in depth, I, I'll go into it, is that it, it, it's, it's, it's more than even that we're like joining some, you know, um, council or joining, joining the community of everyone and everything. It's that, it's that, uh, there's this, um, the, the founder of Soto Zen, his name was Dogen. He said, um, um, you are not it. In truth, it is you. So it's not like the you you think you are becomes a member of this community. It's the you you think you are that falls away and you realize that you are, uh, I really like this Christian language, in union mm -hmm. with everyone and everything. That's your fundamental nature. In, in you, you are the universe. And when that does, just to indicate to your other question, when that happens, the, the love is, is automatic because you, you, know, you are the left hand and the right hand of the same body. And you're right, there is this, it's like a, um, a coming home, a, uh, or I like this language, um, it's like you you just you find true refuge and uh and yeah great strength is is unlocked great power is unlocked fear dissipates and that allows you to you know just be your true loving self can you talk about this a, a little more in the specific uh, context of Buddhism? And, and, you know, as far as I know, interconnectivity is a fundamental of Buddhism. And, and really, mm -hmm. this is where we, we're starting. 
Um, and I imagine from what you're saying, you know, just see one of the many, many paintings of Buddha under the Bodhi tree meditating and having a similar moment to what you're talking about. Um, my understanding of his reality is that he, I may have this totally wrong, but he was a, a wealthy, wealthy person. He was from royalty. Mm -hmm. He was unsatisfied with the quality of that emotional, spiritual, um, hierarchical life and went out to figure out something better and realized this connectivity to all living things. And I assume to all sort of existence, all existing things, and as well to all spiritual um, entities, which can be defined, you know, any number of ways. So anyway. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll speak to that. I, um, so uh, when I first started, you know, diving into this world, they talked about when I went to talks, they talked about interconnectedness every single time. And it always stuck. It's like, what is that? What are they talking about? And I would study it and study it. And it just, why do they keep talking about it? Every time I, it was like, um, the talks were all different, but it was the same chorus. Mm -hmm. And I, so I started chewing on it more and more and more. So it's very important. It's central. It is, it is, um, uh, you, you could say it's the central principle in Buddhism. And yeah, it does go back to, I'm sure it went back to before, way before the Buddha, Buddha's time, but like, you know, in the mythology, um, uh, yeah, he was this prince and then he became this ascetic and then he, um, and then he sat and, and sat and sat and sat, determined to, to wake up. And this, I hope this is relevant, but I just love the story. I'm, I'll, we'll see if it's relevant, but I just wanna tell it. So he's sitting all night and he um, gets, gets uh, haunted, like, like very scary visions come come across him and then and also very seductive visions come across him wow and he and he was sitting there and he didn't know if he had this it is relevant he didn't know if he could outlast them he didn't know if he had it in him to outlast them he didn't know if sometimes people talk about it like he didn't know if he had the right to outlast them so this is one of my favorite parts of this story he touched the ground he had to touch the ground you'll see you know a lot of the statues you'll see the buddhas touching the earth wow and it's because of this moment he touches the ground and asks what's what was outside of him if he had the right to sit there to 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 wake up and the mytho in the mythology, it goes that the earth shook in 10 directions. And yeah, I don't believe that part, but I do believe that it, <laughs> it did, it did uh, tr truly speak to him. <clears throat> not, not, in, not in words. What's that? His earth shook in 10 directions. Yes, his earth shook in 10 directions. His, the, <laughs> the, the message came to him in, from all around. Yes, you have the right to sit here. 
you have the right to to not be blown blown you know blown away by the by the winds of fear or seduction and then he wakes up so then he wakes up and then in the and then in the mythology the first thing that happens is that he uh i think after he probably just enjoys himself for a while uh, he walks after he breathes a sigh of relief yeah and i think he in 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 the mythology it says that he 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 considers how difficult it is going to be to teach this mm. and wonders whether or not he will but anyway that he eventually gets up and walks a little bit and points up and down and says i together with all beings realize awakening i together with all beings realize awakening wow so it wasn't him like the ego waking up it was it was more like um uh the way i like to think of it is uh, our our body's consciousness it's different than the mind our body's consciousness wakes up and remembers who it is and you can what, feel what is, you can feel the truth of it you can feel almost like a fizzing in your cells or a breeze mm -hmm. on your you know the tiny hairs on your skin mm -hmm. um or sort of from underneath or uh, the current of your blood or um and that is kind of what you're also talking about happened to you in Tassajara was this uh, awakening into unity and interconnectedness. Yes. yes. I mean, I, I gave, just on gave a, one. A, um, sorry, I just want to grab this one term yeah, you used. Go, go ahead. Um, your body's awareness that was yeah. awakening, not your mind's awareness that was right. awakening. Right. Which is a whole other conversation we have to have in the future, a lot of, of these uh, about that issue, because I, to go down one quick rabbit trail and not stay there very long. The whole intelligence of any organism is based on its body's intelligence. And our, you know, our current culture ig ignores the intelligence of all other life other than humans. And, and meanwhile, I mean, you know, it's just a phenomenal, miraculous existence that we are a part of yeah. right now at a, a physical and a as you said, a, a body's awareness and uh, a body's an intelligence uh, sense in those ways. Yes. So I'm, I'm really, man, I'm thrilled to hear you point that out. It's something we haven't touched on yet. Well, I'm glad. And uh, just, <clears throat> just wanted to um, kind of, uh, I wanted to contextualize that moment at Tassajara a little bit more. Um, so I, I did, it was, a, it was an enlightenment experience. I've had, and it's really common to have a bunch of them. I've had probably hundreds or thousands of, of similar experiences. It's to just some degree. Do you feel like you can live in that awareness? Sometimes, sometimes I can't. It's a long path. <laughs> yeah. Um, more and more. I wouldn't, it's definitely not a permanent state. Right. Um, I just, 
just wanted to say that because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, kind of misunderstanding around enlightenment. Yes, and uh, it's 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 not what what we think it is. I, in, in even in Buddhist circles, it's off. It's not what we tend to think it is. Yeah, you mentioned in a conversation we had recently that as a Buddhist priest, you are semi enlightened some of the time. I think that's how you said it. <laughs> I think it's, and I know I think, you know every minister I know, every rabbi that I've met. I don't have very many close rabbi friends, but would absolutely say the same thing. You know, and you want I, that. I would, I would, I would go for fully enlightened some of the time i yeah, i'm not trying to toot my own horn i'm just trying to just trying to be accurate yeah so um, yeah please well and so i mean um to hopefully not do too inaccurate of a super generalized summary of kind of what we've just talked about it is perhaps appropriate to say that buddhism then from what you've shared about the Buddha's actual uh, Tassahara moment um, is grounded, pun intended, um, in unity and interconnectivity. That is, in a sense, the, the great awakening. And the fact that it is um, ecological and biological, I think, is exceptionally overlooked at this point in time and exceptionally powerful because uh, here we are living in a, a moment where we could lose everything before the end of this decade in terms of our ability to prevent catastrophic events from getting worse. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's a really, really interesting, simple way of thinking of Buddhism that I hadn't quite come across, that it's grounded in, in unity. Um, union, sorry, is the word you used. I, I like unity too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when you said that it's, it's grounded in ecology, do you mean in the union of everything, including ecology? Or were you more thinking about the Buddha's actual enlightenment experience? Yeah, yeah that actual anecdotal part where he, he sort of asked if the earth, I think it's really interesting that he's asking for permission. He's saying, do I have the right? That humility is another podcast subject. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful and so touching in a time of, um, I don't know, such, such garish uh, kind of materialism and so forth. Interesting. But, I mean, maybe this is projection, but I thought of it, I thought it was a desperation. I didn't think of it as humility. Hmm. We'll come back to that one. Okay. I'm really curious. And I certainly don't know. I'm, you know yeah, of course, no, me either. Well, <laughs> you spend a little more time with the material. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's move on to another aspect of kind of your expertise is, um, you know, your, your life as a therapist, your work as a therapist. And um, I used in our email talking, talking about what we're going to talk about, <clears throat> I used the, the sort of the idea of how does fragmentation, the opposite of interconnectedness, affect people, affect the environment and so forth. And, and you have responded, that's not exactly how you feel or see that. So can we talk about that a little bit? Can you speak to this idea of people becoming um, uninterconnected and what that, how that affects us, how that affects our, our spiritual or uh, physical or emotional health, as well as um, our ability to really care um, about anything other than ourselves, maybe. 
Um, well, I, I, I think you said what is, I, I think you were, you were saying that fragmentation is the opposite of, of interconnectedness. Interconnected, interconnectedness. And I just don't see it that way. I think um, mm -hmm. egocentricity is the opposite of awareness of interconnectedness. And that fragmentation is a, is a, is a result, is a, po a possible result of, um, of um, you know, the ego having a really hard time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how does this work? Um, it's not that we become uninterconnected. It's that we, you know, I uh, really like the, there's this, um, there's this language that's been around for a long time about what happens when we wake up. It's that the light, the veil gets lifted. So when we get, when we, when we go back into egocentricity, when we go back into believing that we are separate from everything else, the veil comes back down. And so what is the veil? It's, 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 it is the belief at its core. It is the belief that we are separate from everything else. Right. So it's but believing that is what causes the veil to come down. And when that happens, and we get involved in our story of ourself, our small self, our separate self, it all it becomes all like our whole life becomes about me, myself, and I. We become these fragile, wounded creatures in need of defense in need of healing, in need of a lot. Well, that's powerful. Because I, I, you know, I feel like the real kind of disease in America that um, affects the social divisions that we have ultimately is this, uh, the kind of this, the conditions that you just described that it seems like so many people are in. And uh, the same certainly could be said about racism and the civil rights movement or the, you know, the, these arguments about um, whether or not to use transgender pronouns, uh, you know, just everything that's about recognizing inclusivity means everyone, as opposed to trying to disinclude certain things that you don't understand or are uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that's, boy, that's a complicated, you know, reality because there's, there's good and bad. Um, there's good and bad. There's good and bad, and you know, in sort of what people are trying to manage, and um, you know, for instance, well, I'm going to go probably too far into something that I think about that I haven't really tried to sort out whether or not it's intelligent, you know, very, very well thought through. But okay. um, you know, for instance, um, so as a therapist, you know, in this context a little bit, childhood trauma gives people unresolved baggage that can range, you know, obviously from extreme to minor and physical to mental and um, it can affect 
the way that you view the world. And so we have problems like, uh, you know, criminals and what do we do when people commit a crime? And for me, I absolutely can see, you know, at least 9.9 .9 times out of 10 that a criminal act usually takes place because of desperation and uh, unresolved baggage, often beginning in childhood. Um, but the person who is the recipient of the, the crime, whatever the crime is, you know, may not be quite so forgiving um, for any number of reasons. Mm. And um, I think we, you know, we also live in a cultural context of individuality being the primary goal and value. Wow. And, uh, and so it's just hard for people to, you know, across the board sort of sort through and, and hang on to some of these uh, non-egocentric ideas when they are um, at the same time so satisfying. Satisfying, huh? I mean, I know what fulfilling. you mean. I know I do. I just don't think they are satisfying or fulfilling or energizing. The ego, the ego is exhausting. And no, no, no. I mean the the. Sorry, I meant the non-ego values. Oh, the, oh, the unity, the union values. Feeling oh. like you know, and and back to sort of the Christian Sermon on the Mount idea, like me, feeling membership of a community. Um, is, is one degree of what you're talking about of feeling, you know, a member of the, of the union. Yes. Yeah. Um, but people I, don't seek uh, community like they used to, you know, at the moment. We have um, so many ways through the internet to spend our time being individuals. And, and so to try to tie back to what you said, you know, we become defensive. We, we live in an era of defensiveness. We live in an era where people would rather shut their doors and their windows and um, relate to uh, emotionally to the world through screens and um, and so you know it's a it's a fundamentally egocentric posture that uh, we are grounded in at the moment. I um, agree, and I I think that uh, I believe that our the the foundation. The foundation of the future we really want is awareness of our interconnected nature. I think that is the foundation of the world we really want. It is that foundational. I think that, um, so this is a word that may be triggering for people, like particularly Christians, but I'm going to uh, uh, include it with a, with with some explanation, um, apocalypse. So That's apocalypse for our next issue, by the way. Oh, I know. I'm I'm really glad. Yeah. Um, so apocalypse, as you may know, just etymologically, if you just go to the etymological dictionary and kind of skip all the baggage that that word has, it means to reveal or uncover. And I think that even though we are turning towards, you know, Netflix right now and individualism and very entrenched in red and blue and white and black and, you know, straight and gay, just very entrenched in people, duality. I, like and people I don't. 
Yeah, it's, I think even though we're very entrenched in that and we seem to want to want that, we don't. And I, what I think is happening with, with like the fires in um, California and this cold hell that came over Texas and, um, you know, uh, uh, Zika and just all the impacts of climate change, all the impacts of Black Lives Matter or not, you know, the race war that led to Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, the, the, the disharmony, the sin, the sin. Right. You know, from, from, from the, like the, so the, 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 the consequences of living in so much sin are coming back to, to bite us in the ass. And I think that is the apocalypse. Like that is, that is getting us to search for a, a better way collectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at the heart of that better way is, this, is the truth of who we are. So anyway, I hope that was a, yes, a general response. Oh, a little more, a little more. There's yeah. a, I want to speak to the trauma piece. Um, so about trauma, you talk about childhood trauma, there's also intergenerational trauma and there's, you know, uh, cultural trauma. There are a lot of forms of trauma. And, um, they do, they get passed down. People act out from this place and people demonize from this place you know if if people are harmed or their kids or community are harmed by someone you know they may want the like the death penalty or they won't you know they want them punished it's all grist for the mill it's all what we need to work work through to wake up Right. Whether we're the whether we're the traumatized one or the attacked one or the punishing one, it's all grist for the mill. Like until we return to love, we're asleep. Boy, that is um, that's a really great way to sort of move over to the next question I have for you. Okay. Um, which is kind of in the um, personal domain a little bit um just a simple question you know is interconnectedness or, or unity union uh, is this sacred in its own right yes this is this i like the uh i like this um metaphor for tr- like true clear awareness True clear awareness is a multifaceted jewel. And one of the facets says sacred. Another facet says interconnected. Another facet says spacious. Another facet says um, centered, still, silent, mm. radiant. That's beautiful. And I, um, throw in this, you know, you mentioned the, the snowpocalypse that shut down the power in Texas. And uh, one of those nights, 
this is probably the only uh, context that it might be understood because I went outside and there was no power, you know, for miles. And um, it was about three degrees. And so everything was just frozen and so, uh, foot of snow everywhere in, in central Texas, this is unheard of. It's literally ne never happened like this. And um, I was the only person outdoors in a neighborhood, um, like a subdivision, you know, big neighborhood. <clears throat> and the silence felt radiant. Um, it, there was sound in that silence. There was connectedness in that silence. And it was like, um, I'm not sure I can find the words, but I'm gonna to listen to what you just said and use those words when I try to talk about that in the future because it was as invigorated as, as invigorating as standing in front of a you know a speaker at a rock concert and feeling guitar vibrations move through your body except that it was the sound of no machinery and only kind of living things hanging in there holding on and and just being alive in this uh, extreme environment i mean this and this is happening all over the world now this people are having these kinds of experiences, like evidently dolphins were seen in the Venice canals mm. for the first time in, I don't know, hundreds of years, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, is there an explanation? Have they cleaned well, just them up? The whole, the whole <laughs> no, 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 the explanation is that people are inside because of COVID. Right. They're not, there's no, they're not generating uh, I mean, it, it's a little different in, for your, in your case, it was, uh, you know, the cold, but for most of the world, it's COVID and people are not right, create, right. creating noise pollution. Yeah. Wildlife is creeping back. Wildlife is creeping back. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Well, let me ask you about that then as well. Um, your, your kind of outer life we mentioned as well um, that you I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we can get into this, but I, I really admire that you have a passion for helping activists uh, stay healthy and be effective and become even stronger or better uh, people to have a, have a better sense of themselves. I think that's one of the ways that you exist in the outer world that is exceptionally powerful. Uh, and then I mentioned there your work, to, your donations to protect tropical forests. I should also say the way that you've integrated this into your life as well is that you're taking a portion of your uh, counseling session fee and just lopping that off and putting it into a fund and then monthly or quarterly putting that fund towards strategic protection of forests, um, which is wonderful. But uh, um, rather than talk about that outer thing that you're doing, that's also exceptional. Again, 3000 roughly American carbon footprints offset through protecting living things, protecting the union of wildernesses in the tropics where it's most impactful on the whole planet. But instead of talking about that in depth, I wanna just ask you, um, especially in the interest of time, um, how you kind of relate these things to being a dad. You know, the idea of uh, being in nature um, with your children. Is there anything that you are, you know, would you want to teach them about interconnectedness or is that too, dogmatic do you demonstrate that or how do you um how do you feel about these just beautiful values and and the way you instill them in your your children and you know the the world that you move through on a personal level 
Um, if you can talk, I about don't it. think it. I don't think. Oh yeah, sure. I don't think it's too dogmatic. Um, my kids are eight and four, so they won't understand the word interconnected. <laughs> but oh, no. you know, my daughter, my daughter and I do talk about climate change, and she, she you know, we talk about it a fair amount actually and she she gets it that trees are good really good and that um burning gas is bad we talk about how um you know uh we have silverfish we have silverfish not like big problem but it's like we have some silverfish and we kill them and i say omani padmeum when I kill them is something my my uh, first Zen teacher suggested saying. And so, you know, they're getting it that, that mean? way. What does Omani Padneum mean? It's um it's a the Tibetan Buddhist like invocation of of um, compassion. So so in that jewel, one of the facets of that jewel is compassion. So invoking clear awareness really but but the but the particularly the 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 compassion angle like i'm sorry you had to die um and i do a lot of work on myself a lot of transforming my own confusion lifting my own veil um healing my own trauma a lot of it and the more i do the more i just transmit the truth of who i am not even in words it's just that's what gets transmitted i mean it can be in words i could i could say like just whatever whatever honestly comes up maybe like i love you so much and just like have it be pure and true or one time, um, uh, Maddie, my old, my eight-year-old, she was um, acting out, and she said, "Mama has a way better job than you, way cooler job." And I laughed, and I thought about it for a second, and I just answered honestly, and I said, "I love my job. I love what I do, sweetie. And it's hard. It's a hard job." So a lot gets transmitted just in, 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 in when I'm, when I'm clearly aware of who I am, what gets passed down is, is clear awareness. Yes. Um, that said, I am dying to talk to them about it when they're older. I'm dying to bring in the, the jargon and to have to go on retreats with them um, and and really really transmit it to them because it's 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 not just the foundation of 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 power and strength uh, and love it's also the foundation of peace and we are living in a increasingly turbulent world i hope it turns around Either way, you know, life is just filled with hard stuff, and I want them to have their true refuge. 
you know it's like just way better life so yeah. anyway I'm, yes. I'm excited i'm excited to talk to them about it explicitly and you know between now and then you know like for presents we often give them uh like crystals like quartz amethyst crystals mm. stuff like that or a little statue from here like a little we got our uh her a little statue of um oh what's his name a hindu god the elephant ganesh we got yeah, them a got her a little ganesh and a lot of hints so we're just sprinkling hints yeah along the way yeah art and culture and yeah and, yeah 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 we take we went Toys back when we were and... doing things in public we would take them to uh at the san francisco zen center they have like a uh talk with a portion for the kids once a month mm. we would go to that um they really hate meditation hate it children my children <laughs> my children hate it but not all children not all children but but um that's appropriate know. i guess uh yeah i don't i don't judge them for it i just we got to be more creative um main the main thing is through doing my own work of all that the main thing is doing my own work yeah i i certainly have found that to be true in my new life as a step parent and um i think you know one of the most um kind of empowering things and you know you learn it from buddha you learn it from jesus I, I don't know about other areas but to be childlike and and in the sense primarily of discovering the world again or con constantly and so the the imagery in my mind of you know a, a, any child anywhere in the world discovering different cultural artifacts um in a in a gift given way is so beautiful and um it it just sort of underlines and highlights that we just live in such a rich world such a you know and it's culturally so rich and rather than denying um any any culture because it's not the one that you're you know or the this taking an interest in <clears throat> the ways that other people believe the ways that other people organize can be so rewarding there's just so much there's so much wealth of beauty and uh tranquility Beauty and wisdom yeah yeah i totally agree so I'm, I'm glad to hear that and it, it's you know you're you're kind of spinning a interconnectedness for her with other cultures in the world as well um with mm -hmm. ganesh and so forth he's not a yeah not known for his christian uh theology <laughs> <laughs> okay so you had mentioned wanting to possibly do a meditation do you feel like you have time for that or should we kind of uh, wrap five, up in five minutes yeah if, yeah if you can do that i would i would really appreciate it sure yeah i um do you have any wishes like um, what kind what kind of meditation there's a meditation on interconnectedness precisely yeah precisely. However, that, however that feels right for you okay so i would like to start off by saying um what i said before about body consciousness this is not a uh a meditation for your mind 
this is a this 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 in itself is a it's like a hard to hard to understand teaching so so this is the way so so this is the way i'll we'll, we'll start off just give yourself five minutes give fully give yourself to this for five minutes and for the first two to three minutes just relax just rest and invite yourself to rest invite yourself to settle we are trained we are conditioned to be in our heads so let your attention settle from your head down and 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 into your your whole being we are not just heads on sticks we are we are uh we are multi-dimensional embodied beings so be your whole self and use your breath to soothe your nervous system and to to grease the wheels you know invite yourself to settle through your breath We wake up with the whole body. We wake up with every cell. So settling, letting that teaching impact you. There is a uh, there's a teaching that I'm going to play with now. It's a pretty uh, popular spiritual metaphor that we are all waves on the ocean, that we are each a wave on the ocean. So this this. So what, what is interconnected? It is, it, is the, it is the water. The water, we are all water. And how do we come to know this? We come to know it through the body. And I'm gonna 
I'm gonna uh, play with the water metaphor now to help possibly wake, wake your body up. So I wanna invite you to see, to use your imagination and see yourself floating in, a, in an ocean of, of clear light. And I want it to be like a, like a big hot tub, like a warm ocean, like a very, here's a very warm, clear light. You know, let, just notice how that impacts your body. Let yourself micro adjust, let yourself relax. Little by little, no pressure, no judgment about how it's going. Just this, just this, like you're getting in a giant hot tub, just like an invitation to, to soak it in. No, no strenuous work called for. Let it in deep, let it in deep. Let it in all the way, clear light. All the way in every little area. And now I want you to imagine yourself as the ocean too, as the ocean of clear light too. Imagine yourself as this, as this illuminated water. You're this, this clear light within clear light. And this is not just known in your imagination, it's actually known in your whole being. So just see if that sentence struck you as true. Is this known by, your, by you in a deeper way than just your imagination? Is this known by you in some other way This awareness, this is, this is awareness of interconnectedness. This is awareness of union. This is awareness of our true relationship with the so-called outside world. The, the, the boundary between the inner and outer 
is not what we think it is. It is much, much more permeable than we think it is. The self is much different than we think it is. So I just invite you to keep, uh, perhaps after this podcast, just keep, just keep staying with your meditation for another, for as long as you can. Soak in clear light, soak as clear light. Know, know who you really are. Acknowledge who you really are. Practice trusting an organ of knowing other than the mind. The body. All right, finito. That was really great, Jared. Thank you. This this uh, has been an amazing conversation, and uh, I can't wait to go back and listen to it and pull more things out of it. Thank you to Chris. Thank you to anyone who's listening. I so appreciate your your. Uh, you know, your search. Yeah, I was going to say to be continued. Yeah, good. All right.